0: Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls coming to you from anchor.fm. You can also find me at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and Instagram. It's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday.
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
0: So... um What are exemptions and how do you use them? On April 1st, 2019, the dollar amount of exemptions under the Federal Bankruptcy Code will increase. Some of the other dollar amounts in the code uh, will also increase. This happens every three years when the amounts are adjusted for inflation. Now, South Carolina has opted out of the federal exemptions, and that means that if you are a South Carolina resident filing bankruptcy, you must use the South Carolina exemptions. The exception to that is if you have been living here in South Carolina for less than two years. So, unless you moved here in the last two years, this change in the federal bankruptcy exemptions really uh, doesn't affect you. However, this federal adjustment happening does remind us of how lucky we are in South Carolina to have very reasonable exemption amounts. And so it's a good time to, to talk about our exemptions. And those are actually um, adjusted here in South Carolina every two years so july 1st of even numbered years our exemptions are also adjusted for inflation now let's talk about what are exemptions exemptions are laws that allow you to protect a certain amount of your property from your creditors so they're used when you file bankruptcy but they also apply if a creditor is trying to attach, levy, and sell your property to pay a judgment that they may have gotten against you. and In a minute, I'll go over what the amounts of the most frequently used exemptions are. But when exemptions are used in a bankruptcy filing, it kind of goes like this. So as a consumer, not a business, you're going to be filing under either Chapter 7 or Chapter 13 of the Bankruptcy Code. In Chapter 7, your debts are eliminated, essentially. And in Chapter 13, they are basically restructured. But let's talk about what happens to your assets in a bankruptcy, like your house, car, money in the bank, and so on. In Chapter 7, all of your non-exempt property, meaning property that's not covered by the exemptions, is sold to pay your creditors. That means if all of your property is covered by the exemptions, then you can keep it. And again, we'll talk about those amounts uh, in just a few minutes. Now, in Chapter 13, you propose a plan to pay all or part of your debt over a three- to five-year period. So, in Chapter 13 you still can keep property that's covered by the exemption amounts. Now there's a means test that determines if you can file under Chapter 7 or under um, Chapter 13. Uh, Chapter 13 is going to be if your financial situation is such that you're able to pay at least part of the debt that you owe because your income is high enough to do that. In either case... The value of your property must be less than the exemption amounts for you to be allowed to keep it. And also, let me just say, in either case, you should get a lawyer to represent you. I'm giving you some very basic definitions, but there are many specifics and nuances in the federal bankruptcy law that make it difficult, if not impossible, to do it yourself and not miss something that's important that could come back to haunt you later on. So let's talk about the South Carolina exemptions a bit and what those amounts are and how that works. Now you'll find them in Title 15, Chapter 41 of the South Carolina Code of Laws. Um, You can find that and actually the entire Code of Laws at the Court Administration's website, which is www.sccourts.org. So, these are the amounts that I will um, highlight for you were as of July 1st of 2018, which of course was an even-numbered year. So, this year in July, uh, the exemption amounts won't change. They'll change again July 1st of 2020. So, here's the main exemption categories that most people will use, and keep in mind Uh, These are if you're filing as a single person. If you're filing jointly with a spouse, it would be double these amounts for property that you own together. So the homestead exemption, that's on your residence, is $60,975 for one person. But if it's a joint ownership with your spouse, the exemption amount is $121,950. So you would have to have a house that was worth um, that amount after subtracting what you owe on a mortgage. So keep that in mind. It's not just the value of the house, but it's the value of the house minus the mortgage balance that you owe. So for quite a few people, your house is protected. Uh, now, for a car, the amount is $6,100. So if you have a car and you're filing bankruptcy or you're trying to protect your car from being sold to pay a judgment, as long as your equity in the car is under that $6,100 amount, it's protected. So, for example, if you own a car outright and it's worth $5,000, that's easily within the 6100 But if you have a uh, a higher value car that's maybe worth fifteen thousand and you owe only five thousand dollars on it, then you've got a an equity value in that car of ten thousand dollars, and that full amount is not going to be covered by that sixty one hundred dollar exemption. There's an exemption amount for just general household goods, and that is four thousand eight hundred and seventy five dollars. Your jewelry. There's an exemption for twelve hundred and twenty-five dollars. So, if you have a, you know, wedding band or diamond ring that's very valuable, um, and it's within that amount, it's not going to be ordered sold, to pay any creditors. And there's a cash amount, cash and liquid assets, which is also sixty-one hundred dollars, and then you have uh, several others, um, uh. Tools of the trade, $1,825. Um, cash value of life insurance is 4875 And then you can exempt up to three firearms for a total exemption amount of $3,000. Now there's several exemption categories that have no limit. Um, those are things like unmatured life insurance, prescribed health aids, um, individual retirement accounts, qualified pension plans, and so on. But again, those can get very particular, so you definitely want to have a lawyer uh, to help you with that. And remember, these apply to your equity in the property, which again is the value of the property after you subtract the balance of any loans that you owe on the property. One final reminder, it is possible to use the South Carolina exemptions to protect your property without filing bankruptcy. This is sometimes referred to as a bankruptcy bypass. So when your creditor gets a judgment against you for a debt that you owe them, they can pursue you through something called supplemental proceedings. That starts with this judgment creditor asking, Uh, The local county sheriff to determine if you have any non-exempt property, keyword non-exempt, that could be sold to to pay their judgment. And they can even ask the court to have you come and testify about your property. But if all of your property is covered by the exemptions, and that means it's non-exempt, then the judge will find that there are no assets to be sold. So that's... um, a way that our state exemption laws protect you, without even having to file bankruptcy. So, I hope this information is helpful to you. Uh, if creditors are pursuing you, or you need to file bankruptcy, I do urge you to get a lawyer. And if you can't afford one, uh, you should go uh, and apply for legal aid. You can do that online by going to www.sclegal dot org you've been listening to attorney susan ingles coming to you from anchor fm don't forget to follow me on twitter and instagram at ingles angle it's been think like a lawyer thursday
1: you come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer
0: Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls coming to you from anchor.fm. You can also find me at Ingalls Angle on Twitter and Instagram. It's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday.
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
0: So, um, what are exemptions and how do you use them? On April 1st, 2019, the dollar amount of exemptions under the Federal Bankruptcy Code will increase. Some of the other dollar amounts in the code uh, will also increase. This happens every three years when the amounts are adjusted for inflation. Now, South Carolina has opted out of the federal exemptions, and that means that if you are a South Carolina resident filing bankruptcy, you must use the South Carolina exemptions. The exception to that is if you have been living here in South Carolina for less than two years. So unless you moved here in the last two years, this change in the federal bankruptcy exemptions really uh, doesn't affect you. However, this federal adjustment happening does remind us of how lucky we are in South Carolina to have very reasonable exemption amounts. And so it's a good time to, to talk about our exemptions. And those are actually um, adjusted here in South Carolina every two years, so July 1st of even-numbered years, our exemptions are also adjusted for inflation. Now, let's talk about what are exemptions. Exemptions are laws that allow you to protect a certain amount of your property from your creditors. So, they're used when you file bankruptcy, but they also apply if a creditor is trying to attach, levy, and sell your property to pay a judgment that they may have gotten against you. And In a minute, I'll go over what the amounts of the most frequently used exemptions are. But when exemptions are used in a bankruptcy filing, it kind of goes like this. So as a consumer, not a business, you're going to be filing under either Chapter 7 or Chapter 13 of the Bankruptcy Code. In Chapter 7, your debts are eliminated, essentially. And in Chapter 13, they are basically restructured. But let's talk about what happens to your assets in a bankruptcy, like your house, car, money in the bank, and so on. In Chapter 7, all of your non-exempt property, meaning property that's not covered by the exemptions, is sold to pay your creditors. That means if all of your property is covered by the exemptions, then you can keep it. And again, we'll talk about those amounts uh, in just a few minutes. Now, in Chapter 13, you propose a plan to pay all or part of your debt over a three- to five-year period. So, in Chapter 13 you still can keep property that's covered by the exemption amounts. Now, there's a means test that determines if you can file under Chapter 7 or under um, Chapter 13. Uh, Chapter 13 is going to be if your financial situation is such that you're able to pay at least part of the debt that you owe because your income is high enough to do that. In either case... The value of your property must be less than the exemption amounts for you to be allowed to keep it. And also, let me just say, in either case, you should get a lawyer to represent you. I'm giving you some very basic definitions, but there are many specifics and nuances in the federal bankruptcy law that make it difficult, if not impossible, to do it yourself and not miss something that's important that could come back to haunt you later on. So let's talk about the South Carolina exemptions a bit and what those amounts are and how that works. Now you'll find them in Title 15, Chapter 41 of the South Carolina Code of Laws. Um, You can find that and actually the entire Code of Laws at the Court Administration's website, which is www.sccourts.org. So these are the amounts that I will um, highlight for you were as of July 1st of 2018, which of course was an even numbered year. So this year in July, uh, the exemption amounts won't change. They'll change again July 1st of 2020. So here's the main exemption categories that most people will use. And keep in mind Uh, These are if you're filing as a single person. If you're filing jointly with a spouse, it would be double these amounts for property that you own together. So the homestead exemption, that's on your residence, is $60,975 for one person. But if it's a joint ownership with your spouse, the exemption amount is $121,950. So you would have to have a house that was worth um, that amount after subtracting what you owe on a mortgage. So keep that in mind. It's not just the value of the house, but it's the value of the house minus the mortgage balance that you owe. So for quite a few people, your house is protected. Uh, now for a car, the amount is $6,100. So if you have a car and you're filing bankruptcy or you're trying to protect your car from being sold to pay a judgment, as long as your equity in the car is under that $6,100 amount, it's protected. So for example, if you own a car outright and it's worth $5,000, that's easily within the 6100 But if you have a Uh, A higher value car that's maybe worth fifteen thousand and you owe only five thousand dollars on it then you've got a an equity value in that car of ten thousand dollars and that full amount is not going to be covered by that sixty one hundred dollar exemption there is an exemption amount for just general household goods and that is four thousand eight hundred and seventy five dollars Your jewelry, there's an exemption for $1,225. So if you have a wedding band or diamond ring that's very valuable um, and it's within that amount, it's not going to be ordered sold to pay any creditors. There's a cash amount, cash and liquid assets, which is also $6,100. And then you have uh, several others, tools of the trade, $1,825, um, cash value of life insurance is 4875 and then you can exempt up to three firearms for a total exemption amount of $3,000. Now there's several exemption categories that have no limit. Um, those are things like unmatured life insurance, prescribed health aids, um, individual retirement accounts, qualified pension plans, and so on. But again, those can get very particular, so you definitely want to have a lawyer uh, to help you with that. And remember, these apply to your equity in the property, which again is the value of the property after you subtract the balance of any loans that you owe on the property. One final reminder, it is possible to use the South Carolina exemptions to protect your property without filing bankruptcy. This is sometimes referred to as a bankruptcy bypass. So when your creditor gets a judgment against you for a debt that you owe them, they can pursue you through something called supplemental proceedings. That starts with this judgment creditor asking, uh, the local county sheriff, to determine if you have any non-exempt property, keyword non-exempt, uh, that could be sold to, to pay their judgment. And they can even ask the court to have you come and testify about your property. But if all of your property is covered by the exemptions, and that means it's non-exempt, then the judge will find that there are no assets to be sold. So that's... um a way that our state exemption laws protect you without even having to file bankruptcy. So I hope this information is helpful to you. Uh, If creditors are pursuing you or you need to file bankruptcy, I do urge you to get a lawyer. And if you can't afford one, uh, you should go uh, and apply for legal aid. You can do that online by going to www.sclegal.com dot org you've been listening to attorney Susan Ingalls coming to you from anchor.fm don't forget to follow me on Twitter and Instagram at angle It's been Think Like a Lawyer Thursday
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
0: Hey, thanks for listening, everyone. Hello, this is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle on Twitter, and I'm coming to you on Anchor FM, where I've been counting down the 12 days of Christmas, giving you consumer protection law information on each of the 12 days of Christmas. Today is the 12th day of Christmas, and hopefully the other 11 days have provided you with some really good information on consumer protection law. And what I'm going to do today, on the 12th day, is give you 12 websites that can provide even more great information and resources that you might find helpful when needing information about consumer protection law. And here they are. The first one is nclc.org. That's the National Consumer Law Center with a lot of great information uh, on consumer law. The FTC, that's the Federal Trade Commission, you can go to ftc.gov slash consumer. A myriad of resources there on that website about all kinds of consumer protection issues. Another uh, website with the federal government is consumerfinance.gov, and this is the Bureau of Consumer Protection, which has a lot of great resources, brochures, and um, other materials for you on any number of consumer issues. Now, here in South Carolina, we have the South Carolina Department of Consumer Affairs. Um, that's number four. And that's consumer.sc.gov. And that information on that website is I'm very focused on South Carolina state law of consumer protection. The fifth website is um, Appleseed, and that's um, scjustice.org. A lot of great brochures and other information. Um, Appleseed does a wonderful job with... um, Legal information for the general public through brochures pamphlets, flyers powerpoint presentation and um in a number of areas of law, but certainly great stuff for consumer law next is the um South carolina bankruptcy court and that's a federal court and the it's scb.uscourts.gov. dot dot they have some uh, wonderful resources, frequently asked questions, glossary of terms, a student loan primer and flowchart, and even uh, information about the Ask a Lawyer program that the court has um, once a month. And a great section they have is filing bankruptcy without an attorney, and this helps people who are self-represented, even though that's certainly not recommended. Um, a lot of people do file bankruptcy that way. The next uh, website is the South Carolina Bar, and that's scbar.org. A lot of wonderful resources there on consumer law, as well as other areas of law, uh, along with consumer law. And then, of course, our website at Legal Aid, that's www.sclegal.org. We have lots of uh, uh, materials as well on consumer law as well as other areas of the law. And then finally, um, the last three of our 12 are um, several websites for uh, law firms that are focused on consumer law in South Carolina. Um, Dave Maxfield's website is consumerlawsc.com. Uh, Lots of good information and resources there. It's um, not just a website promoting his law firm, but also just giving great information to the general public. Same thing with hayescauley.net. That's H-A-Y-S-C-A-U-L-E-Y. That's uh, Penny Hayes Cauley, whose uh, website um, has a lot of resources that support what she does as an attorney here in south carolina fighting for consumers who are facing um, debt and harassment and then finally brian dot com, and he focuses on um, debt collection and foreclosure and even some fair credit reporting cases so that's your 12 consumer protection websites That can be helpful to you as a South Carolina citizen, but also uh, many of those are national websites that would apply to anybody in any of the other states. So that is your final bit of information for the 12 days of Christmas, those wonderful 12 websites where you can find all kinds of resources um, to answer your questions about consumer protection law if you didn't get enough of it in the last 11 days. So thanks for tuning in for the 12 Days of Christmas, and be sure and stay tuned um, on Thursdays when I bring you Think Like a Lawyer Thursday on different uh, subjects regarding consumer law. Thanks again for tuning in. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls, and remember to check me out on Twitter at Ingalls Angle. Hello, this is Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. And the 12 days of Christmas starts today, December 25th. So for 12 days, I will bring you 12 gifts of information on consumer law. Today, on the first day of Christmas, I'm bringing you the one most important thing to do when it comes to your consumer rights. And that is, read the contract before you sign it. That's right. Whether you're buying a car, getting a loan... Opening a bank account, signing up for a cell phone account, a credit card, or even a mortgage. Read the terms and conditions. You know, unfortunately, most people don't read the fine print, even when it is literally in print on paper. And that problem has really become worse with the whole click-to-accept design that is now the norm in the digital age. Of course, I realized that even if you wanted to fully read a contract before you sign it, that may just or be just as burdensome as losing your rights to data and legal recourse, which happens when you sign any contract. In fact, one recent study showed that reading the average American's digital contracts would take nearly 20, um, 250 hours per year. That's almost five hours a week. So a lot of time. But next time you're signing an agreement, whether in print or online, take the time to read some or even all of it so you can at least get a sense of what you're giving up when you make that one click to agree to the terms and conditions. So this has been Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. And on the first day of Christmas, the information I give to you is read the terms and conditions. Hello, everyone. This is attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. And you can find me here on Anchor.fm as well as Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. It's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday.
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
0: Well, April is Second Chance Month, and also Financial Literacy Month. So today, I'll be talking about the Your Money, Your Goals Financial Empowerment Toolkit. It was launched by the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau in 2014. The, the CFPB regulates uh, the offering and provision of consumer financial products and services under the federal consumer financial laws and educates and empowers consumers to make better informed financial decisions. And hopefully, they make consumer financial markets work for consumers as well as responsible providers and therefore the economy as a whole. Uh, You know, they write rules, they supervise companies, and they enforce the law so that we can root out unfair, deceptive, and abusive acts and practices. The CFPB also enforces laws that outlaw discrimination in consumer finance, and they even take consumer complaints through an online system on their website. So um, definitely visit them there at consumerfinance.gov. So since its inception, the Your Money, Your Goals toolkit that was created by the CFPB has been revised and improved. and really most importantly they have added companion guides for native communities, people with disabilities, and people with criminal records. And that one's called the Focus on Reentry Guide, which is what I'll focus on today because, again, it's not only Financial Literacy Month, but also Second Chance Month. And this week, actually, is and what we refer to as reentry week, where we focus on helping those who are re-entering the job market, um, typically uh, after um, having uh, a criminal situation. So the focus on re-entry guide um, can be used by frontline staff of social services, organizations, um, and that's what it's mostly designed for in my job at South Carolina Legal Services, I was um, happy to lead our participation in the CFPB's 2017 cohort, which included uh, you know nationwide organizations who have shared um, these unique tools in their own area. One of the ways we did this at Legal Aid was to provide a five-week class for the Greenville County Drug Court Program. And you can actually watch a video on our uh, YouTube channel of one of the drug court participants. And you can also access all the activities that Legal Services is doing this week uh, of re-entry week on our website and, and social media. In the video... Uh, you meet Joel, who was able to, in the drug court program that we did, uh, he was able to focus uh, on his finances, and as a result of the class that we did, improve his credit score, uh, pay off an old debt, and in fact, he is now in the process of buying a house. So, however... You know, the financial empowerment tools that are contained in the Your Money, Your Goals toolkit um, really are so helpful and easy to use that I do encourage anyone to use them. It doesn't have to be part of a class or presentation or some kind of group using it. The tools there can be used by um, you as an individual, and I, I encourage that. Uh, You can find the video and hear Joel's story on our YouTube channel under South Carolina or SC Legal Services. So check that out and check out the Your Money, Your Goals toolkit at consumerfinance.gov. And, of course, also listen to this podcast on Consumer Law, Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. And between the two, you'll be well on your way to not just financial literacy, but financial empowerment. This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle. Uh, here on Anchor.fm as well as Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And thanks for tuning in. And I want you to be sure to tune in next Thursday, April 25th, for my 50th episode of Think Like a Lawyer Thursday, when I'll highlight the new Learn the Law online classroom that has been created by South Carolina Legal Services and the classrooms on debt collection in South Carolina Summary Court in particular. Don't remember, I mean, don't forget, 50th episode, April 25th, and thanks again for tuning in.
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
0: Hello, everyone. This is Attorney Susan Ingalls. I am at Ingalls Angle, and it's Think Like a Lawyer Thursday.
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer.
0: Well, I'm so excited to come to you with the 50th episode of Think Like a Lawyer Thursday. We started in September of 2016, when I explained for the listeners the mini Miranda warning that debt collectors are required to give um, when they call you. And from there, we've talked about consumer law issues anywhere from uh, the South Carolina Dealers and Distributors Act to the Fair Credit Reporting Act to how state exemptions work in um, judgment debt collection To even South Carolina law that prohibits wage garnishment for consumer debt. So, now for the 50th episode of Think Like a Lawyer Thursday, I want to introduce Clark and the online classrooms that we recently launched at South Carolina Legal Services, where I'm proud to work as a lawyer and uh, happy to work at Innovation. These online classrooms will educate consumers and train pro bono lawyers on the legal matters that our low-income clients often face. We started with seven classes. Uh, there's two on debt collection and summary court. There's two that are related to domestic violence, um, filing for an order of protection and then representing survivors of domestic violence in contested custody and visitation cases. There's also unemployment appeals, guardianship and probate court, and getting your landlord to make repairs. We're really excited about these classrooms because they cover important topics for our legal aid clients. But also, they take into consideration different learning styles. And I think that's really important. There's uh, Cartoon Clark, who's walking you through the basics. We have slides, text, text. Forms and even some interactive interviews on a couple of the classrooms. In fact, uh, we think they're so helpful that we're seeking another grant to fund the next round of online classrooms. So um, head on over to lawhelp.org slash SC and check it out. So thanks to all my listeners who tuned in for the first 50 episodes and to Anchor.fm for the platform that they started with three minutes of audio and grew to a full-blown podcast platform because (laughs) some consumer laws cannot be covered in only three minutes. Well, I hope that in the last 50 episodes that I have provided, interesting, and hopefully valuable content for you. I'm delighted to start the next 50 episodes. So tune in next Thursday when we'll talk about the three-day right of rescission. Is it really a thing? What's it for? And when can you use it? This has been Attorney Susan Ingalls. I'm at Ingalls Angle here on Anchor.fm and on Twitter and Instagram. This has been the 50th episode of Think Like a Lawyer Thursday.
1: You come in here with a skull full of mush, and you leave thinking like a lawyer.